Welcome back to another episode of the Koi's R Us podcast. Uh, this is episode 69. I'm Joel. I got Kim and Jesse with me. And also, we've got a special guest this week, uh, Simon Yamane. Thank you for joining. Um, whoop, whoop. Si- yeah, there he is. Uh, Simon and I connected like most Spurs fans across the world connect, which is uh, through Twitter or X, I guess is what they're calling it now. Um, Simon's got a pretty decent uh, footprint on Spurs Twitter. So maybe, you know, we will talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the Wolves game um, preview the Crystal Palace match as well. Um, Simon, thanks for joining. And thank you so much. Before for we, you. of course, and before we get started, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always curious to hear um, specifically people who are not from London, how did they become Spurs fans? Obviously, we're in the States, and we we kind of talked about our stories um, when we, we began this podcast. But I'd just be interested to hear from you, like, how'd you get into Spurs? How'd you become a Spurs fan? How long have you been following them? Um, and just kind of what your story is. Absolutely. Let me start out with thanking you for having me on. Uh, I'm very, uh, I feel blessed and uh, I don't take it for granted. Uh, I also want to compliment you on the the, the name of the pod, Koisaras. Oh, that it's Jesse's got to take credit for that. That was his idea. Yeah, that's our, that's our PR guy right there. To put like an American twang on it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. I mean, I think I've been, I've always been a football fan. Um, but being Eritrean, uh, which we touched on uh, off camera, uh, or off the pod, um, I was always a Italian fan. Like I'm, I'm a huge Roma fan. Then I lost some uh, connection to the sport. Uh, being a teenager in my young twenties, uh, going out there in the world, loving um, the- being a theater kid and stuff like that. But then around 2005, 2006, the Premiership really blew up in in Sweden. And a lot of Swedish uh, friends of mine became Arsenal fans, and I basically started out become uh, being a Spurs fan a little bit to annoy them, and also <laughs> wanting to be different. Classic, <laughs> uh, classic uh, young uh, behavior. Um, and so I was kind of an avid fan for the first couple of years, but then around Bale, Modric, that era. Uh, I started getting into it more and more. And then when Twitter came, there's, you know, there was a whole new way of kind of connecting with people um, and on YouTube. And so I've gradually got into it more and more. Uh, so I'd say like I've been a hardcore fan since like 2016, 17, something like that with Poch. Yeah. When we started to become really good. So, um, yeah, that's my story. Okay. Yeah. Um... I feel like, you know, <laughs> you talked about kind of becoming a Spurs fan to troll your Arsenal fan friends. And I feel like, especially for those of us who didn't grow up in North London, there is a sense of being attracted to Spurs because they kind of aren't, you know, United or Arsenal uh, or Liverpool. And there is kind of this sense of like um, underdog theory, I think, that I've found for uh, from a number of Spurs fans that I've met when we whenever I ask them about their story, I think there is like this sense of the underdog that people are always kind of attracted to. Um, so that's, I also think like you want to be part of the story. I think like if you yeah, jump exactly. onto the train of Arsenal or Manchester United, um, 
you kind of you you miss a, like a big part of their most dominant era, and there's a sense with Spurs that it's a growing club, and so it's yeah. almost like that whole thing that like we trying all trying to know get in before of, it happens. Yeah, exactly, and also yeah. this. It's a stadium. There's this exciting fan base, or but welcoming fan base. There's this exciting city. It's a big. It comes from a big city, which you could travel to, and but basically, also, I think it started out like a joke. But then, when you started getting into it, there was a lot of stuff that made you feel included. Like it's always, I feel it's always more fun to jump on the train when you sense it, it's about to blow up. It's kind of got like getting into crypto, like in the early years. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, that, like that makes of... sense. It's like you know the the train hasn't completely started rolling yet, um, and then it's you know you you kind of want to get in early so that you're not a bandwagon fan after they've already won a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, you no one's going to accuse you of being a bandwagon fan if you decide having no connection to North One, and if you're like I'm going to be Spurs, no one's going to be like ah bandwagon fan from <laughs> right exactly yeah but it, it is this that that underdog thing too because it's that whole narrative around spurs that they never win and they like they have an empty trophy cabinet it's pretty when you look at spurs from the outside it's 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 contradictory to like the facilities and the fact that it comes from a big city so you kind of feel like it's an anomaly but you still yeah. have time to get in on it when it's um and also, you know, because the Spurs fan base is a little bit, you know, depressed from success, they're pretty funny. Like when you start following the team, <laughs> it's a pretty like self-deprecating fan base. So it's easy to kind of get into it. I feel basically. No, yeah. I mean, I was I was actually making that point, not that specific point, but I was talking to some friends of mine who follow different clubs and I was saying, like, once I really started to get into Spurs, I think what helped me fall in love with the club fully was really just being around the fans. Um, and I also, newsflash, one of the big perks is obviously when you go visit the club, you get to go to London. It's not like going to Burnley or Wolverhampton. <laughs> so that's also kind exactly. of a nice perk. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like the fan base is very down to earth. And, like, like you said, like, we're self-deprecating and actually, like, humbled to the point where you don't get a lot of the same – um, sense of entitlement that you might get from other clubs. Um, I, 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 I do don't want to about you guys. I, I find like when I started going on social media and talking to fans, because it's not this vast fan base of 20, 30 million, it's, it's a pretty small fan base growing rapidly, but it's, it's a lot quicker to kind of get a foothold and can try to understand yeah. what the big accounts are or what the narratives are or it's easier to kind of it's fans are a little bit more approachable, I feel. So I think it's like a golden combination of things that while if you commit to it, it's pretty easy to get into it. Well, so you, you talked about the fan base and I kind of wanted to go there because obviously we're coming off of a, a disappointing home loss against Wolves, which we'll we'll talk about in a second. But I think one of the things that I've seen and I've, I've actually seen you commented on your Twitter page as well is just kind of the toxic responses that come from people uh, after we win, you know, uh, after we lose rather when we win, it's kind of like, could we win the league? And everybody's exaggerating to one end. Um, when we lose, it's like doomsday Ange ball's been figured out. We're never going to win another game. Um, and I think one of the things that I've really appreciated about following you, even before we interacted directly 
was that you seem to approach your takes as a Spurs fan very evenly, very thoughtfully, um, very logically. And I think that's very rare, especially on social <laughs> media. Um, and so it kind it kind of stands out because it's not the same reactionary the sky is falling takes. And I I'd just be interested to hear, you know, what has been your approach to Twitter and kind of like building a following, but also just like the things that you decide to tweet about after watching a game or after seeing a press conference? I mean, it's an interesting um, question because I feel like we all go through this journey on social media where you kind of start out not knowing what's going on. And I feel like I at least started out pretty much copying people or you know, writing or commenting or reacting the way everyone else did. Yeah. So, so you're kind of doing it uh, from a standpoint of just wanting to be part of the conversation and just want wanting interactions. But then, when I started growing a little bit more of a following or or, or more of understanding the benefits and the pitfalls of social media and, and Twitter specifically, because that's where a lot of you know. A lot of us talk. Yeah. I kind of felt like it's it's this mindset of understanding that different people use this platform in different ways. And so it's about picking how you want to use the platform and what you want to get out of it. And so I'm a little bit older and I use my face. I use my name. So that guides me a little bit. It makes me a little bit more responsible and feel a little bit more responsible in how I comment and what I say. Uh, I feel like my aim with social media is stuff like this. I want to connect with other people. So I want to be personable. I want to be polite. Uh, I want to, I'm not so much fussed about how many people follow me. I'm more about who follow me and how I can be of service to those people. And I also feel like, so so that's my kind of um, approach to it. At the same time, I feel like I have to kind of limit, uh, and that also informs me with who I talk to and who I engage with. So if a kid is 17 years old and he's got an avatar and he's totally anonymous, his form of using this platform might not match with mine. So right, yeah. I have to limit how much I engage or how much focus or how much attention I give to that. Like, I want to talk to you because I know who you are. You're from New York. You have this perspective. You have this, you have something to say. And so that's kind of been my approach to it. Um, and so when stuff happens, like a loss or when my view of it has always been to try to be myself and me as a person is I'm much more gas half full. I'm much more stoic in how I view stuff. I'm much more interested in why than just reacting to stuff. Like I want to uh, absorb it. I want to think about what's something I can say that contribute or gives a perspective that's not out there. Or a part of that is also like I use my name. I use my face. So right, what I yeah. say has to become from me. It has to be personal. And I have to be able to stand on it like six years from now. And so 
that what I mean, like if you're anonymous and your whole point is just blowing off steam, that might make you use the, and you don't care who, who engages with it, that changes how you use the platform. My approach has always been, and also that's how I started getting repeat, like getting good engagement, like finding people like yourself that they want to talk about the game. Like if I put out productive stuff, I'll get productive people talking to me. Yeah. So you I kind of, so, you kind of, uh, you get back whatever you uh, put out. Um, I want to bring in Kim here as our, I like to call her our resident tech, 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 tactician. Um, yeah. I don't know if she likes that or not, but, yeah. um, based on the game, obviously, like I said, we lost the game. It felt like Spurs were a little off the pace, particularly when it comes to, well, actually, I, I don't even want to give my analysis. I'm going to turn it over to you. Based on the game that we had against Wolves, like what did you notice? Um, not only in why we lost the game, but are there any um, trends that you're noticing from Spurs um, that might be of concern or things that we need to work on moving forward? So I would say, I mean, when you look at the goals that Wolves scored, I'll start there. Um, the uh, first goal was told the guy was totally unmarked. So it's like we took protecting Vicario to the next level and and did not actually then mark the guys on the pitch. And to me, that's how the first goal happened. Um, the second goal was was honestly just not tracking back. And it's not that we didn't track back. Guys were back, but we did not pick up the runners. And so it's Basuma made a mistake. And I don't want to just throw him under the bus, but he made a mistake. He got robbed of the ball. And that and he makes the run. He he tracks back, but then does not check his shoulder, does not look back, does not look to see what's happening around him. He just sort of stands there. And then um, you know, the Wolves player goes in and gets the ball scores and so to me it's the it's some of that stuff it's the it's the it's the mistakes of not picking people up it's it's the mistakes of not doing what we're supposed to combined with the fact that when we get in the final third we just look entirely too ponderous we're passing the ball around the outside and I understand they have nine men behind the ball they're right that's that's the tactic they have come to play with but with that, we have to work to try to be more incisive. And I just feel like we're we're not doing enough things to be incisive. Um, and that could be from running on the wings. That is our midfielders not um not deciding to to put in balls to Richarlison. Um I, to me, it was it was a whole host of things that caused that game to to be why we didn't win. It wasn't one person, it wasn't one player, but then you do see when we miss, when we miss Pedro, when we don't have Poro and we don't have a Dogi to truly play those inside midfield roles. When you put Davies there, who's you look at him as mostly a defender at this point. Um, that's why I think we really need to improve on our, I don't want to call them backups, but we need better cover on, on the wings because the way that we've decided to use our um, fullbacks we now have to get other guys who play like that because when we don't have them, we see exactly what's missing, but you could say that this kind of result was coming um, in our yeah. last few games. You could see where we just haven't been as incisive with the ball. And maybe this next two weeks of not playing, just having nothing but time on the pitch will help them get back to the principles they started the year with. It's like when they didn't know what to do, they did everything right. But now that they know what they should be doing. It's like they're not doing those same things. And so I just hope over the next couple of weeks, 
Ange is able to drill them to get them to focus back on what made them successful to start the year. I mean, I feel like at the beginning of the season, obviously we came out like gangbusters or were undefeated in the first 10 matches. And I feel like the way that we were playing kind of shocked everybody, including Spurs fans. We're just like, whoa, what's going on here? Like we're actually playing with purpose and like scoring every game. And we continue to score. We've scored every game this season so far. Um, but it does feel like lately you are seeing more teams, like you said, putting players behind the ball, trying to beat us on the counter. Wolves have been beating us on the counter for the past five years now. Um, we continue to struggle to, to, to get points against this team for whatever reason. And I think a lot of the chatter that you've been hearing a lot of, especially a lot of the toxic chatter has been around, you know, this idea of like Ange ball being figured out. And, and, and obviously we've had a ton of injuries. There's reasons for that. Um, I guess, Jesse, I want to kind of hear your perspective on, like how we approach the game, you know, especially thinking about the fact that we didn't have the fullbacks that we wanted. Does it make sense to continue pushing the same tactics when you know you don't really have the players to pull it off? Do we need Ange to be a little bit more flexible or it does it make more sense to just keep drilling the system that you want to play? I think for now, it because this is not, you know, like a lot of seasons, it's not, I'm not a trophy chasing year. Um, and so it's, 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 it's a little bit like a, what you'd call like in racing, uh, like an installation lap. Um, when you try new things on the car and then you do a lap to see, it's usually during, during practice or qualifying or whatever. You see, okay, did all the stuff that we just put in work? Um, and you have to get used to it. And so Jesse, when metaphor man, I love it. Oh, he's definitely the metaphor oh, man. Every episode. Oh, I'm a he's, metaphor he's got a, man he's got too, a new man. one. He's got a new oh, one every episode. I got to work on our metaphors here. <laughs> so when you jump in like that, this being an installation lap season, I think it's important to still do the same thing when we're down, you know, two men to still be attacking with the high line and, and those kind of things. Because it's like, if we start to do some other tactical things away from the core of Angelo before everyone is like fully exact, like you're saying, knows exactly what to do all the time, right? Because the decisions that are getting made on a pitch are happening instantaneously. You know, Angela said it before, like, let's remember we're in, the first half of year one of a multi-year project, you know, look at this, some of the stuff that, you know, Klopp and, and City and some, I mean, some of those other teams that have been there for years and years and years. You know, we've got some new players, some um, uh, some older players, but this installation kind of season, I think, yeah, keep going. Like, it's not, like, obviously, having Champions League football is a critical part of the success for any club with ambitions to to be as good as, as Spurs want to be. Um, so it's kind of, you you want to keep installing that system while not sacrificing as many points um you know we're not dropping points you want to be learning and winning um or learning and picking up points whenever you can so absolutely a disappointment in here but i'm still in support of like this was not supposed to be remember like our our preseason predictions were all i think between fifth and eighth or fifth and seventh somewhere around there that that's you know a lot of the the yeah um Sports books and pundits are all run that. So we this wasn't supposed to be. It just it, it, it got it got to be one of those things where it's like, oh shoot, we just went undefeated through the first quarter of the season. Then the expectations get raised. And not that you should always settle with the expectations that you have at the beginning of the year, right? When Leicester won the league, their their goal wasn't to win the league. Their goal was to probably just stay up or finish top ten or something like that. So you can, you know, it's not to say that your goals going into the season should only stay your goals for the entirety of the season, but I'm much I'm okay with the uh, continuously doing the same thing until we feel like everybody can 
know exactly what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing it, you know, with their eyes closed, which isn't going to happen necessarily in half a year, especially with fewer competitive matches to be played, then start to to tweak, you know, the system once everybody knows what they're they're doing. Keep doing it until, uh, what's the thing like, you know, uh, practice until you, not until you get it right, but until you can't get it wrong. So keep keep putting it in. Easier for me to say this now because we're obviously still in the hunt for top four, top five. You know, if we go on another rough streak here like we did in November and we lose a bunch of games, I might change my tune, but uh, not for now. I mean, you talk about being in the hunt for top four. We're we're fifth right now. Uh, we lost, obviously, our last match. Villa won theirs. So they jumped over us. And, I mean, Man United is now breathing down our neck, which is, is ridiculous because I never thought I'd be saying that at this point of the season. But they've now, you know, won their past four games. Um, and, you know, comparatively, if you're taking three points off of four games and getting, you know, 12 out of your last four, you look at Spurs, um, our last four matches, we've picked up a total of seven points. Um, so, like, you know, that is now making up some of the difference, despite the fact that um, they didn't really take many points off of us this season. I think they only got one point from us. Um, but United's now one of the hottest teams in the league. And um, I guess I'm just curious to hear. I mean, I, I, we talked about this a little bit earlier this week, but like, how worried should we be about this United team? How worried should we be about Villa? It seems like they were faltering, but then they they bounced back with the win. Like, what are our realistic chances at top four with 14 games left in the season or 13 games? Uh, I mean, I just want to say, like, what Kimberly just said, because I think there's a couple of ways to look at this. Um, I think you could look at just the team, the philosophy of what the team wants to do and what, what it's failing at. And I think Kimberly gave us a detailed, like, exactly what I saw. That's that's exactly what I see. And, and you can get into that. You can get into what's, what's a rest defense. Should we have double inverted? Should he play the same way if we have different fullbacks, but the, the quality of the fullbacks drop? Like, what's the? why are we not using the underlapping players? How can we create more in the final third? Why is our XG not as high as it should be? So there's a lot of stuff you could dig into when it comes to the team and what the team wants to do and what it's not doing. But I think, like, what Kimberly just said is basically exactly what I saw. And then you go to Jesse, who gives the context of what's the what's the long term goal versus what's the short term expectant um, expectations we should have. And to me, a loss like this more than makes me it, it makes me think less about what's the issues with the team because I feel like there's a couple of things that uh, big picture context that it's important like. Some of these players have been all out for a long time, like Bentancourt, Madison. Some have been away for with, with the international teams, Son, Bisuma, Sar. Us expecting them to get together after two, three months not playing together and just kick off, I feel is unrealistic. And I said so before, like I expect this team to struggle a little bit to find their footing. I don't think it's just automatically falls into place, especially if you also add new players like Werner playing. Now, if you then look at um, what is the issue when we lose a game like this, 
I feel it's all about perception and expectations. Like what right. Jesse said is 100% right. Like we know this is early in the process. We've been taught what this coach believes in. And so it's up to us a little bit to not get caught up too much in what to expect from a certain game or what to expect in terms of where we end up. Because I think it's pretty, I think the most reasonable expectation is that it will be inconsistent and it will be chaotic and it could be either sixth or fourth or whatever it is. And so my focus has been on people immediately abandoning uh, the principles of this coach, which is what Jesse talks about. This is our system. We're going to play it. I'm going to find out who suits it. And by doing it, I'm going to find out who don't suit it. Like I have to play Davis and Emerson centrally to, to actually be able to uh, decisively say they can't do it. And with that, you will sacrifice some results. And Anne just said this multiple times. And, and so when you ask me what can we expect, I don't actually know. I think our performances will improve. I think we have one of the toughest schedules uh, comparatively, uh, compared to Arsenal or Aston Villa or Manchester United. But then again, I don't know what Manchester United will do because if we're really honest, their position is probably a little bit false. Like if you look at their... I mean, they're, the they're lucky goal. to win that game against Luton on the yeah, weekend. Yeah, I mean, they got I mean, dominated. And when you look crazy. at their goal difference, I mean, it's 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 not up to the standard of the other teams in that bracket. And even and so, Villa, and that, like you don't know what Villa team you're going to see from week. Yeah, to week and then. Villa, they have a lot of injuries now. So yeah, right. What in what Villa team will we see? Um, so I don't actually know what what to expect in terms of results, but I do expect us to not change. I don't expect and to adopt to to whatever players available or whatever positions uh, we'll face, and I do expect inconsistencies. Newsflash, it's never too late to level up your grooming game and keep your bush tamed. With Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, you will have every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on your confidence. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, now is your time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, use the code COYSRUS for 20% off plus free shipping. Now look, I'm sure you might have heard of Manscaped. Maybe you've seen the ads or seen it in the store. You're not really sure if this is something you can trust. I was a bit skeptical myself, but let me tell you, after using this product, I was pleasantly surprised by not only how effective it is, but how delicate it is in your sensitive areas. I'm sure you, like me, was a little skeptical maybe about using an electrical shaver on your balls and you're, you don't wanna clip that area, right? Um, let me tell you, it's super safe. In addition to the shaver, you will also have access to other items such as the ear and nose hair trimmer and a grooming kit that comes equipped with an aftershave lotion and an anti-chafing deodorant, both for your balls. You probably didn't think that you needed those things, but let me tell you, you do. Again, 
Use the code COYSRUS at manscaped.com and you will not only get 20% off your order, you will also get free shipping. It's a great deal. Use it. COYSRUS is the code. I, I mean, you were talking about the schedule and I think that's this is something that we've brought up before on the pod and I feel like that's something that a lot of Spurs fans are looking at that end of the year patch where you have you know City and Liverpool and Arsenal back to back to back. And I think part of the overreaction to the Wolves loss is this assumption that the hard games are the hard games and every other game is supposed to be winnable. You're at home, you're playing against a team that doesn't have uh, a comparable record. And I think yeah, there's a I few things to, being... Because I said, I just said like, I posted, it said, uh, don't blame the manager, manage your expectations. And like half the responsibility I expect to win against Wolves. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, despite the fact that they have beaten us pretty much every year for the past six years. Um, yeah, but also including this season. <laughs> yeah, and also expecting a win is not expecting a manage. That's not managing expectations. That's you assuming, as you said, that we have to win. We we have to win this these games, and we might be able. To, uh, it's okay if we lose these games. That's not yeah. how it works. I mean, I think building the, something. I, I, yes, and I think the other point too is like if we look across the Premier League, there are very few games, or uh, there are very few teams that I would even look at and say like, oh, this team is so bad that they can't get a result. Maybe Sheffield, but like, yeah, you know, even you look at like you know the Luton Town that that played against United on the weekend, like that's a team that probably should have won that game, or you know whether you're playing Palace or whomever like i feel like there are very few guaranteed if any like and and that's not just an indictment on spurs it's not an indictment on spurs at all i feel like even your cities your arsenals your liverpools they're all coming up against teams that they should quote unquote beat um but the level of the league at this point is is really high and i feel like there aren't guaranteed wins in the in the way that there might have been in previous years I think it's not one a of farmers the farmers league, Joel. It's not the it's not the French league, okay? This is this is real stuff. That's why there's that internet joke forever of okay, Messi, but can you do it on a rainy night in Stoke City? Like, <laughs> right, exactly. There is no easy like there's there's the, the, the bottom tier teams, you know, the bottom half teams in the Premier League any given year are not guaranteed top teams in any other major league, but they're a lot tougher than a lot of the the, the lower end teams and a lot of the other um, big leagues. I think that's you know, there's there's a uh, more and more money gets poured into um, the Premier League, and it uh, it is the richest league in the world. It's a really interesting book called The Club um, that I read a few years ago about the rise of the Premier League in English soccer and how it's become the biggest league in the world. And spoiler alert, it's money. Um, and so the more money that gets added to this, more resources these clubs are. There is no, you know. Just roll eleven guys out there, and uh, and and you'll get the three points automatically. And also, like, if I ask the resident tactician, uh, I mean, isn't it true <laughs> that City beat uh, we beat City exactly playing like this? Oh, hundred like, percent. I mean, like, if you actually look at it, like playing a high line, like any system has flaws or and has stuff you can try to take advantage of. And so if we are the ball dominant side playing a high line, committing people, like committing a lot of people forward, 
and you have really um, skilled finishers. It's, but those two, those two goals. Now that uh, Neto goal, that Neto run that you talked about. I mean, counter attack off of our corner. That I mean, that's the type of goal we used to score against City all the time, and that's basically the chances they had. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Um, but what I was going to say is I, I think a lot of when I see the negative Spurs fan about, you know, maybe the last few weeks, I think it's juxtaposed to what Arsenal's doing. They see Arsenal scoring five and six goals and they get triggered. Like, why are we not doing that? Why is our offense not clicking like this? And you would say Arsenal just just a month ago would have been saying the same thing about their team. So that's why I just feel like fans sometimes and I've always felt this way. I tend to be more rational about sports than I feel like a lot of people are. I don't like to get up and down because when you do that, that, that just my mood goes up and down and I have to feel like that. Um, so I try to stay level-headed about things when I feel like they deserve to be level-headed. And, and I, and some of, like I, I will say, some of this I really think is just due to what other teams are doing around us and what they, what they perceive us not doing, but it's hard like to, compare a four-year project to a seven-month project and I feel like a lot of times that's what we're doing is we're looking at who we are right now compared to what someone has been doing five times the amount of time they've been able to do it so can I just ask you do you think we're doing the same we do you do you guys all of you guys do you guys think we're predictable because that's the stuff I keep hearing predictable it doesn't adapt he has to get pragmatic. Like, how far do you guys think he has to take that stuff? So, I guess my opinion on it is the short answer is yes. Like, I do think our system is predictable, but I think predictability is often the output of having a consistent system, right? Um, you know how Arsenal's going to play. You know how Klopp's going to play. You know how... but. That also means that you have a system that you're devoted to. I think teams that are less predictable are ones that are reactive to their opponent. Okay, we're playing against this team. We had to play this way. We're playing against that team. We're going to play this way. And those are often teams that are on the back foot. And so I think a part of what we're experiencing, especially as a fan base, is also a shift in our expectations in, in what we're watching as a product. If you think about the last few years we have been the back foot team we have been the reactive team and we've had coaches that quite frankly have not believed that we had either the ability or the quality in our side to be able to take teams on and so we played defensively and we basically adjusted our game plan based on what we thought would be able to catch other teams out now we're playing more offensively and and by offensively I mean like we are actually taking the team the game to our opponents if you look at the 24 games that we've played so far this season there might have only been one or two where we didn't have the majority of possession that is a significant difference to what we were seeing last season and so like I think that is a part of what we might be referring to as predictable is the fact that like we have the ball for the majority of the game we have a very clear tactical system that we want to run and other teams are going to get hip to that. I think one of the big things in terms of how successful we can be 
is obviously going to come from transfer windows and being able to get the players to do the things that we need to do. We have some of them right now, but we certainly don't have a team full of guys that can do what we've seen Spurs do this season to be able to do it every week. And I think that's the difference even, I mean, you know, Arsenal is, what, second in the league right now, and they've had a few stinkers this season where they look like they couldn't find the back of the net. Um, City is the most dominant team of the past six years, and they all have patches where they're having a hard time breaking down teams. I think that's just a natural part of it. The difference between City and everybody else is they have just have better players, and they and if, if, if guys aren't working out, Calvin Phillips, see you later. I'm going to get another player in here like Jeremy Doku or whoever it is, and we're just going to get the players that can do what I want them to do. So that's the long answer. Like, I don't think predictability is necessarily a bad thing. You just have to have the players that, hey, you know what we're going to do, and you're not going to be able to stop us. Yeah, well, I basically agree with everything Joel said. I don't know if there's much I can add there, but basically I agree. Um, Like you said, we can seem predictable, but – I would much prefer us to have a coach that has a system, decides to stick with it, even when it's not working, because it shows that one, one, it shows his dedication to what he believes in. And I mean, we saw that that against Chelsea, right? Like (laughs) that to me is important, but like, like, and we talked about it at the time, if we didn't play that way, we would have never been able to even think that we were in that game. There, there wouldn't have been a chance for us to even say like, oh, we might be able to score here because we would have just been sitting behind the ball waiting for Chelsea to score on us. And so I appreciate not just sitting and waiting for teams to score on us. We still do let teams score because of individual things that can be cleaned up. And that's why I say like the stuff that happened in the, uh, for the Wolves goals is all stuff that with drilling and just consistent reminders, players can clean up. Like it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't stuff that like I would be like, oh my God, this player, this player can never improve on this. It wasn't stuff like that where we were just getting beat for pace and that's the thing that's gonna affect us forever. Like it it, it was mindset things more than anything. Hearing you guys talk about the Chelsea game makes me love it even more <laughs> because it's become legendary. Like if we really <laughs> think about how much space it's taken up in our minds, like as a fan base. It really worked as this message to the club, to the fans, to the world. This is how we play, and this is something new, and it's never going to change. And I feel like we might look back at that moment, like in a couple of years, and be like, "That's when it. That's when it really started. Like that's when we really got that he's serious about this." Yeah, it, it's easy to be who you want to be when things are going well. It's hard to be who you want to be when things are going difficult, whether that's on a soccer pitch uh, or in real life, uh, in a relationship or at work or anything like that. When things are going well, it's easy to say, oh, this is who we want to be and we'll do it. But when things are going difficult like that and then you still you still hammer home that, like, this is the identity, this is who we are, and you build that into the to the DNA as well. I mean, that stuff takes time and it's a lot more difficult um, to do, you know, when – when things don't go well or when you're and Jesse, isn't it. that what's isn't that what's happening now like people yeah. stuff is not going perfectly and so people start throwing in these compromises he needs to compromise he needs to adopt he needs to play a back three he needs to change the system if the right if the perfect fullbacks are not in there and it, it kind of goes to something kimberly said which is if you constantly adopt like 
we've seen, and I said this earlier in the week, like uh, on social media, like that's uh, Eric Ten Hag, a progressive modern coach who the moment he didn't have the perfect players started adopting and changing every way. And 18 months later, we have no idea how he wants to play. And in terms of progress, they're nowhere. But he did get second because he, he cared about the risk, short-term results uh, for, for a while. But like, didn't really, hasn't really worked over the long term. And so just, I just thought that what you said now, it, it applies to what's happening now, what I'm seeing among fans. Like this, um, this wanting to take the easy way out just to get the result. Yeah, you, it, and drilling that stuff down is is what you know builds um, better for the long term. Like you said, you can you can you can get a result out by switching things up, or whatever. But then a team eventually doesn't know who they are. You don't know when you're going to play. Hey, let's play the Tottenham way. What does that mean? It means we're just going to completely change. Like obviously, you need to adjust your how you approach a game at points to your opponent. And so I just go and do the exact same thing and like make no changes whatsoever. But like it's a core philosophy. It takes time to build in that identity. And so then people know this is what it is. And, and when you're recruiting players as well, hey, look, this is the kind of football we're going to play. You seem to like playing that where you're at now. We'd love for you to fold into that versus, you know, what are you going to, where am I going to play? What am I going to do as far as, well, who knows? Depends on if it's a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Tuesday. We'll, we'll see. We'll figure it out. Like, you know, you, you know that, um, you know, this is what that uh, the, the identity of that team is, and it's you know going to take a little bit to to get there. But I think it's the the right way to, to build. This is the Coys R Us podcast. Uh, you can follow us on social media on Twitter and on Instagram at Coys R Us podcast. Um, feel free to reach out with any questions or comments, um, and then also make sure that you are subscribing to our channel on your podcast app of choice um, as we look ahead to not this weekend but the weekend after that um, we were scheduled to play Chelsea this weekend that game has been postponed and so as everybody else will play this weekend we will basically have a game in hand that Chelsea game still hasn't been rescheduled yet so we actually don't know when that's going to come our next game will be the week after that against Crystal Palace uh, a team that we beat away earlier this season 2-1 um, so this is our opportunity to do the double over them with a, another Tottenham home game on March 2nd. Now, this is obviously a few weeks away. Um, so, you know, we could get more information that might change how we predict this match. But as of right now, it seems like um, we might still be without Poro and Udogi. It looks like they're probably going to be out until uh, early March. So they could be back for the Crystal Palace game. We don't really know. Um, and I imagine that might change how people feel about uh, the predictions, but um, I guess we can talk through this. Like Crystal Palace is, is a team that's been struggling. Um, they just sacked their coach, or I guess he quote-unquote stepped down. Um, so they've got a new manager coming in. Um, they're 16th in the table right now uh, on 24 points after 24 games. So not really a great season for them. And they're only five points uh, out of the drop zone currently. Um, this is a team that we should be beating, right? We're going back to this. Uh, <laughs> this is the opposite of what I just talked about. Um, but I wonder if there are 
continued concerns based on the fact that we may or may not have those fullbacks and, and thinking about how central they are to the system. Does that change your perspective on how we might be able to approach this game if we have to continue to play Royale and Davis? Uh, I guess I'll start. Um, I'm less worried about palace attackers as I am as compared to the wolves, wolves attackers. Um, uh, so I do think we'd be able to actually hold on to the ball more. I think we'd probably end up giving up less counterattack possibilities. Um, they don't strike me with the same level of fear in terms of how their guys can get in behind Spurs. So, um, but they will. You, it's hard. It's also hard to know what, how they're going to play because they have a new manager coming in. I guess right. we'll have to see. They play today, actually. I think. Um, yeah. so, Do yeah, anyone they, know about the injuries? Like, because they have some big injuries, right? Olise as a. Yeah, Gahey's out till April. Um, Eze and Olise are both out, and those are their two best players. Um, so I mean, they have a lot of concerns right now. I mean, it, it, Crystal Palaces, I think I saw a stat that they've won like two or three games since like October. So they've been dropping points left, right, and center. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that their two most talented players basically came back from injury and got re-injured like the exact next game. So it's just been hard for them to Kim's point to find goals because they just don't have um their most talented players available. Yeah, they're ranked not to sound like a scored per match. So I yeah. In that case, uh, I, I like I say I could I see us like you say, we should be winning this game. Um But you know, you know, they get a new coach in time <laughs> in time for our game. That sounds like a stereotypical Spurs fan here, but we go right. we going Dr. Tottenham here. You didn't say <laughs> you want to win. <laughs> You know they're gonna they're gonna get that bounce. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, nah, it does. I mean, it it does feel like we oftentimes, you know, you say this is a game you're supposed to win, and then you don't, and then you go into a game thinking, oh, we're definitely gonna get battered, and then you end up winning. Like the the league is super unpredictable. Spurs games are super unpredictable. Um, and that's why we have fun making these predictions and just being wrong every week. So <laughs> that's 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 kind of the way it goes. Um, I do and I think, think especially I mean, thinking about the fact that who knows what's going to happen in two weeks' time. That's a, that's that's an eternity. Who can tell? Yeah, what, I mean, what, even, what's what we can't talk about is like what we can't talk about is like we have a seven game like a uh, stretch with games that look like we could win, like. It, it's it's games basically Winnable. that we should Winnable win. Games. Yeah, should win. Yeah, I don't want to say sh should win because I'm I'm a, I, <laughs> I've camped on this mountain of don't expect anything, but uh, games that we should win. And then we have this stretch of I think four uh, games that are really tough. Oh. I mean, like Liverpool, City, Arsenal, Newcastle. I think. Yeah, and yeah. we know they'll probably push. And that's Newcastle away as well. I was it's yeah. Newcastle and Liverpool away. So two of the two of the toughest yeah. places to go in this league, I I think. Yeah. So so if we if we um, throw everything reasonable out the window and just look at it from a point of view of wanting to wanting that fourth spot, we we it's important that we use these two weeks to really get up and going because 
at the end of the day, and I think we've all seen this 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 season, it's up to us. Like if we play at the level we can, it doesn't really matter what what Crystal Palace does. I mean, we lost against Wolves because we weren't good enough, basically. Um, we weren't really good enough so, against Brighton either, and we won that game. So exactly. So I mean, we have to kind of give up, get over that hump. And then there's a lot of context why we've been in this kind of up and down, especially this this particular up and down uh, ten game stretch. But it's it's really up to Ange to work on, uh, especially us being able to score more, because I think. That's that's basically been an issue, and it's ironic because we we've scored in what is it thirty seven games in a row, but it's usually one goal, two goals, and um, and pretty low xg like xg one point five or between I mean, one point five. That's the other thing, right? Like the system so that we, we're we, playing is so ball dominant, and yet because of the way that we play, we are pretty much guaranteed to at least give up a goal every every game. I mean, I don't remember how many clean sheets we've had this season, but I, it probably isn't more than four. So to your point, like you kind of have to score two and three goals just to give yourself a chance to win because you know you're not going to be able to shut yeah. the other team out. Yeah, and the mentality you have to remember is because there's this instinct to think he's got to make changes to make us concede less. He won't. We have to score more. <laughs> like he won't change. He won't no. create this. Uh, he won't defensive go more defensive. Stalwart. He yeah, won't. He won't play a back three. He, he won't. He just won't. He's his focus is keeping the ball more. When we lose it, getting it back quicker and score more goals. But isn't this so what we, we have... wanted? We had this, yeah, we had this exactly. defensive crap football for the past three years. Everybody was miserable, and we said, "Hey, we'd rather lose a game four three than win a game one nil." And now we're yeah. getting it, and people are still pretending like they're like, <laughs> "Hey, we could go back to to Mourinho ball and and uh, Conte ball if if that's if that's really what Mourinho you guys, change. I don't think anybody wants that. Mourinho changed how we play every game, and we every, the only thing we complained about was us not having a system and a way of playing and just adjusting to. Yeah, so you're totally right, but I do think he he, he needs to clean up stuff like um, dead ball situations and. I mean, there's stuff like that, and um, you know, uh, having Bisuma not to lose his player, you know, stuff like that. Work on how we press. Work on not uh, being so sloppy when we get into the final third. Let the team get compact so you can win the ball back. Stuff like that. You can work on uh, not conceding by getting better at everything that has to do with keeping the ball and winning the ball back quicker, but. I mean, not gonna you, see. you raise a good point because I was actually was going to ask Jesse about this because I feel like watching the game, when we gave up that corner in the first half, I literally said out loud, this looks like trouble. <laughs> and then 30 <laughs> seconds later, they like it, I could just feel it coming. And it was the Everton game where we had the lead and then stupid decky foul on the edge of the box, give up a free kick, they equalize. I guess my question, Jesse, is like, at what point 
do we start saying like we have a set piece problem <laughs> because it does feel I mean, like... already like now i feel like yeah, we've, we've right. talked about it several episodes ago so i don't know when everybody else jumps on right because there's also other other problems you know that you can you can point out um around the team but like especially last year is um with uh with with gianni vio as as good as things were like this year being such a um, such a problem especially um defensively uh so i know that like we um it's it's yeah it, my, my short answer is it's it's now it's already it's been a topic that we've discussed before and we've got to figure out a way to get better i think who was it kim was supposed to be on it's, it's split up right ryan mason's on defensive set pieces and somebody else said uh, with the uh, Yedniak is on, on the um defensive yeah that's correct yeah so i mean like i don't know uh it's well Yedniak's not doing a really good job because not great, <laughs> not going great. yeah um uh, well, I think ones... it's funny because you think about the high line and I feel like you were almost expecting us to concede a lot of goals kind of, you know, from guys beating us on the break or counterattacks. Set pieces is not something that's affected by defensive positioning in the same way where it's like, oh, we're playing these inverted fullbacks and that's why we're giving up goals. No, we're giving up goals because we can't defend corners or because Vic is getting bullied on every corner or because we're giving guys free headers on set pieces. And, you know, I, I think know. Kimberly it's... said something that I kind of missed. I didn't think about the fact that, of course, we um, we tried to um, we tried to protect Vic to the point of forgetting to do everything else. I mean, to me, both those goals were mistakes. Uh, and what I'm what I do think is like uh, we do have an exceptional uh, aerial defender in um, Dragosin. I just feel like last game, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, he's not as, he's not up to the level of Van der Ven when it comes to being a recovery defender. And Wolves Well, nobody do, is. He's the fastest guy in Premier League is. history. So Exactly. And, and I mean, Wolves do count on getting in behind and counter. So it wasn't the game for him. But I do feel like certain games where... We play teams that are really dominant in there. Dragosin might get it, uh, get get the nod because he's really, I mean, like elite, elite in the air, and uh, both in both boxes. And that's a tough thing, right? Because he's coming into a team where you have two really strong center backs. Obviously, yeah. you want to have cover if and when guys get injured, which we've seen happen a thousand times this season. But I do wonder to your point, like if and when he's going to get a look outside of injury, like, is I mean, it, it goes to what Jesse said. I mean, Ange has this balance where he needs to win to get buy-in from fans and the players, but he also can't change too much because he needs to instill this system in how he plays. And so changing it up and making all these adjustments or changing players out, like playing Dragosin, for the only reason of him being good in the air might disrupt, you know, build up or something else. So I do think it's going to be tough for drugs in this season. Um, but I'm also pretty comfortable and confident that Ange has talked to him about it, that it's going to be more games next season because we're going to be in multiple competitions and stepping up in level means more competition and stuff like that, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for him. Yeah, it's a higher level of competition, and there's going to be more competitive matches next year. So he'll yeah. absolutely, absolutely get uh, get those in. I mean, 
the January signings are always tough, right? I think we're a little bit probably struck by some recency bias when it's just like, oh, look at how look at how great Benson Cord Kulisewski did. Like everybody should be like that. And the reality is those are the, <laughs> the outlier of outliers. Um, that you know on the on the bell curve or whatever. It's uh, most Benson Kerr and Kulisewski haven't even played like Benson Kerr and Kulisewski. So right, but I mean, I'm talking about in in January when we signed them. In no, January, no, yeah, like, I mean that's my point. It's not. It's not that you know. That's 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 significantly not the norm. So. Um, yeah, we'll see if they get if, uh, if the dragon gets some opportunities. Well, like I said, it it is early before the uh, Crystal Palace match, but you know w- we will reserve the right to change our predictions if anything crazy happens between now and then. Um, but before we go, let's let's see what predictions. I'm gonna go with a three-one win, just because I feel like that's what I need for my soul. Um, especially going into um, our next match, which is going to be Villa away. It's going to be a massive game, especially if we want to finish ahead of them. So I think it would be nice to kind of get a nice palate cleanser against Palace at home. Mm. Um, and I'm going to go 3-1. I'm going to 5-0. Also go 3-1. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Coming out like gangbusters. There yeah. we go. And a clean sheet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, From your and list a clean sheet. <laughs> I That's think exactly the rest of us are all going three one because <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm I'm not confident enough to pick a clean sheet yet. We I've I've, yeah, I've got to see either. that a few times before I pick it. Five but, uh... zero Sar Hattrick. Oh, oh, wow. oh, there we go. Let's go. <laughs> Listen, if hey. if Sar gets a hat trick against Palace, it could uh, happen to a better guy. This clip is gonna go viral. So, bro, <laughs> I, I would cry. <laughs> for a week could not happen to a better guy i love i love that kid yeah. he's just the, just the, you could just like hear the stuff he's saying like you can tell he's just so happy to be at spurs and just enjoying being in the team like performing every week and just being the the guy that just runs for everything and that's, that's he's all our little brother him. right that's why he he's all our kids he's our that's kid exactly brother what he feels like yeah for sure can you imagine when he's been here for seven years i've seen him grow up be him being homegrown Oh my God, I'm starting to start crying. Beautiful. <laughs> all right. Uh, so are we, all three of us went 3 1. Is that, is that what we're yeah. doing? All right. Yeah. Um, Simon, thank you again for joining. It's been a pleasure. Um, hopefully, we, we can have you back on after a win. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> instead of instead of talking about a, a loss. But like you said, we're, we're in the early parts of this process with Ange, and I'm sure the better days are ahead of us. Let's get a win against Crystal Palace. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.